You are listening to Prickly and Blooming. And now, your hostess, Jesse Browning. All right, all right, all right. Hello and welcome. It's Jesse. Um, I'm so happy you're here again this week. And I got to go over a couple business items before we get to meet this week's guest. So the first thing is um, I have a listener survey up on our website, and it's also in the show notes here. Um, it's just a few questions about where you live, how big your family is, you know, that kind of stuff. You've done it a million times, but it really matters to people, just like reviews and rates. Um, so thank you. If you have a minute to fill that out, that'd be super. Thanks. If you are thinking about it when you are not uh, holding you know, your phone with the podcast app, so it's in the notes, but if you need to access it another time, it's at our website, pricklingblooming.com. There's up in the top right hand corner, it says survey. Click, boom, that'll get you to it. Okay, super, thanks. I need to mention, because I think I keep forgetting um, the last few episodes, to rate and review the show on whatever podcast listening platform you use, but obviously, you know, iTunes is the biggest one. Um, Rate the show. Thanks. It really helps. And if you are a creator of something else as well, reach reach out and let me know um, what rates and like, have you written a book? Do I need to review it on Amazon for you or whatever else? Um, Goodreads, something like that. Have you um, created a YouTube channel? Do you need me to subscribe? Hit me up. I understand the importance of all this now. Yeah, you really don't understand it until you're on the other side of it. And you're like, oh, that stuff really does matter. So it really does matter, by the way, everyone. Okay, what else? We are entering our last month of episodes. So there'll be three episodes and then we'll have a roundup of last season, which was season three. I'm recording those now, little um, meetups, wrap-ups, catch-ups, catch-ups with people from the last season. Those are my favorite episodes to make. So that's it. Is that all our business? I think that's all our business. Check, check, check. Okay, this week we're going to meet Jody, and I'm delighted to... Um, have you guys tune in and hear her story and hear her laugh. She's got a great laugh. Super friends, super duper, super. Um, we are fully into fall here in Texas and it feels nice to wear long sleeves and some jackets for half the day. <laughs> All right, everyone. Let's go meet Jody. So I have Jody with me. Hello, Jody. Hi. Hi. This is a glorious, we're in fall in Texas. Oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> it's, it's my so favorite beautiful. time of year. It doesn't last very long though. No, no, it doesn't last very but long. But it is beautiful. It is, it is. So I like to ask, what's a little bit about you before we know a lot about you? Okay, well. Just what's the basics? We know you're Jody. Yeah, and I've been listening to your podcast and I noticed a lot of the people that you interviewed had mm-hmm. lived in Texas, but they weren't really born and bred and raised. Mm-hmm. And my, I'm like third generation born and raised mm-hmm. Texas. And mm-hmm. so I was born in San Angelo mm-hmm. and um, I lived here until um, I was in my first year of college. And then I went on this trip to Europe and I'd never been on a plane before. And I got on this trip oh, wow. to Europe and flew to Greece and Italy and Spain and France and Holland. And mm-hmm. I came back and said, I'm out of here. And I moved yeah. to Austin in like yep. the next two weeks or so. Yep. Anyway, I, I, um, so I'm, I lived in Austin for about eight years. I went to UT. I got a degree in art history. I'm primarily interested in art and the beauty business back then primarily I was like just all about art and beauty and fashion and all that Mm -hmm. and uh, so I worked as a manicurist in hair salons so I had I had a lot of gay friends so I did a lot Mm -hmm. of the partying on the 
with my gay friends and had a blast <laughs> with them. And I had one that convinced me that I just had to get out of uh, uh, Texas because he was like so dissatisfied with Texas, he thought. And he was from uh, L.A. He was from the Valley. So he finally convinced me, okay, I'll move. So I moved out to Laguna Beach, California. Oh, wow. Stayed mm-hmm. there for a few months. I was bored to tears with Laguna Beach because it's a <laughs> tiny, sleepy little place. And there was nothing to do there. Nothing. Six. We sat in the floor and made jewelry. I made jewelry with my um, drag queen friend that lived across the hall. And we lived right by the beach. And Anyway, so I only stayed there for a few months. And I kept saying that I wanted to move somewhere where there was some excitement. So I moved to San Francisco. And I stayed there for about three years. I had a blast in San Francisco. I absolutely loved it. Talk about good food. I thought I had the best food in the world. Better than New Was York. This like the heyday of San Francisco, too, I would imagine, right? Well, like, it, just, it was pretty cool. Yeah, see, it would have been about, boy, uh, well, let me think, when it was it? 1989, 87, around in there. Yeah. No, maybe a little bit later than that. I'm really bad with dates. But still, like, a young person could move there and survive and live and live in the downtown and go to, like, these days. <laughs> you would have to have a lot of money, let me oh, tell you. you. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Multi-millions. You have money, yeah. yeah. Because when yeah. I lived there, um, I had a degree in art history, and I was working as a manicurist, and mm-hmm. I worked in Nordstrom's first spa that they had. Oh, cool. I got to meet Calvin Klein. Right. And I was asking him if he had redesigned our uniforms because they were hideous. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I love it. No, no. Anyway, it was pretty awesome, but you know, mm-hmm. you, I just couldn't afford to live there. I Even tried. Though, yeah. I yeah. tried for several years. I met a lot of cool people. I had so much fun, but I finally had to leave. Um, there was, there was getting to be quite a bit of a homeless problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like my friend, I remember going over to his house, and he he would have to like ask the junkies to kind of scoot over mm-hmm. so we could get through his door. And I haven't been back in fifteen years, but I I think it's it's a whole different world now. Yeah, from what I I've bel- seen, that's still quite a problem that they're dealing with. Yeah, I remember hearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, I stayed there. My house got broken into. My garage got broken into. They stole my bicycle, and I was like, Oh my god! I was in that big earthquake that they had. Uh huh. I remember with that. With the World Series, were you born then? Yes, I was. I was old enough to remember that. I remember watching the that one new boom of that one car on that bridge. Remember oh, that was yeah, played yeah, over, yeah, and over and over and over. Yes. Oh yeah, I, I remember that. In an art gallery on the wharf, and, and you know, went running out of the building. And anyway, so I was there, and I stayed out in California until I was completely broke. Yeah. I mean, I was using my Mastercard to buy groceries, you know. And yeah. So finally, yep. I said, "Okay, that's it. I'm gonna go and back home." So I was 30, and I came back home, mm-hmm. and talk about that the the most. Um, Oh, God, harrowing part of my life was I had to move back in with my parents. Oh, Oh, that was (laughs) awful. I mean, I was just, like, so humiliated, and I felt, you know, really awful. Like, God, I can't believe this is where I'm at, you know. Mm -hmm. And it was impossible to live with to live with my dad. He just made made me crazy. So I moved out and I went out to the Chicken Farm Art Center with Roger mm-hmm. Allen. He had this um, art student center out there and I moved in out there. And then I um, was I had to kind of start over and find something to do. And I already had a degree. So um, my dad said, well, you could substitute teacher. You can be a nurse. I was like, oh, great. Nurse, <laughs> teacher, Ugh, you know. Yep. And I didn't even think about being an esthetician and that's what I should have done. 
done back then, but I didn't. But, you know, hindsight's what they say about that. So mm-hmm. anyway, I um, came to I substitute taught. I had a degree, so um, they needed special ed teachers, special mm-hmm. education teachers. So I did an emergency certification, became a special ed teacher, and got a job, like, within months mm-hmm. and started teaching school. Um, I taught K through 3 special education. Wow. And I ended up staying in education for 17 years and getting a master's wow. in educational diagnostics and um, became, you know, a person who does IQ tests and diagnoses mm-hmm. learning disabilities. And that was really interesting and um, was a dyslexia specialist. And I burned out on that 17 years. And I was, you know, sitting up in the middle of the night and not being able to sleep, you know, worrying about these kids and what what I was going to do and how I was going to group them so I could make progress with them. And my husband had gone off to law school, so I was like home by myself for three years. So anyway, it was just really, 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 really hard. And I had to get out of it. So I could, I, so I just begged him. I said, please, I want to do anything else. He said, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, I'd like to be an artist or a yoga teacher. No, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't earn any money doing that. So I was like, okay, 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 okay. I said, I always wanted to be a facialist. I got my facialist license in Austin back in the 80s. So I thought, I've always loved health and beauty. And I love pampering. I love, I study essential oils. I grow herbs. Herbs. I love all that stuff. I, I, I could teach yoga. I know more yoga than most of the yoga teachers in this town because I took yoga since 1977. But anyway, you have to be all certified now and everything. Mm-hmm. Back then, you didn't even have to be certified. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's a whole different world. But anyway, um, I still do yoga almost every morning and meditation and all kinds of things. I mean, I'm into everything. I'm a painter and I'm... Uh, really into a lot of stuff and now and I'm, now I'm running this small business and I've had it for 10 years my my esthetician business mm-hmm. so you know I did the PPP like you did yeah. and man 10 years I was hitting my stride boy was I busy and mm-hmm. then and then, and, co- then. and then COVID hit mm-hmm. and now I survived it you know thank thank God I've survived it and I'm still doing well and I'm about to take on my first new employee she's got to graduate from beauty school mm-hmm. and I she's think I met her well you might have she's yeah. a really cute little girl and uh, her name's Hazel mm-hmm. yep I did meet her yeah she's darling so she's about to finish school and so I'm setting up a room for her and we're getting ready and they're putting in a huge med spa next to me and I'm you know things are happening over here and you know we're just right across the street from each yes, other our are. businesses we are so let me go back and ask okay now okay. I feel like I got a lot here. Yeah. We can go back. So when you were in San Francisco, when you decided to come home, were you married then or did you get married oh, when no. you got back here? You got no, When you got I, back here? Yeah. When I got back here. When mm-hmm. I came back here and became a teacher, I met my husband. Okay. And um, I met him through some mutual friends and he had a band called the Bone Daddies. <laughs> and they played um, like blues mostly blues uh-huh. music and he also had worked for a, a company that he had retired from okay. and um, he just wanted to go back to school and he thought he was going to go back to school and major in English and he's real smart and he had a, a degree in um, political history or something he's a history nut and he's very smart so he finally decided he wanted to go to law school and okay 
he helped some people open some businesses in this town, and um, one of them was a music store, and he had to go in there and rescue these people because they didn't pay their sales tax. He had to get the music store on its feet and then sell it, and then he helped um, the Steel Penny Pub. He was a silent partner in that. His friends were always getting him to help them open businesses, you know? And uh, so when I opened my business, I was like, I don't want him to open my business. I want to open my business. I'm like, you're not going to let him fund it. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. You want to do it on your own? Yeah. Yeah. Because I've seen too many people, you know, Mm -hmm. ask him to help them. But anyway, so I met Don. Mm-hmm. And then I wasn't sure that I wanted to get married so, or if I wanted to stay with him. So I moved off to back to Austin for a year. And I taught in Pflugerville for one year, okay. special ed. Uh-huh. Then Don and I were dating long distance. And then I decided that I was going to come back to San Angelo. And that was like 1990. And I've been back since then. Oh, I love that. I love that you took like a, an absence, did absence make the heart grow fonder kind of test. <laughs> yeah, he would come up every weekend and we would go um, out to this ranch uh, on the lake in Austin mm-hmm. that didn't have television. Didn't, we didn't even have cell phones back then. Yeah, no. You know? And it was out where Hippie Hollow is on Lake yep. Travis. And we mm-hmm. would just stay out there and we'd party all weekend and listen to music and, you know, cook and play and Anyway, so I came back, and he's, you know, the best thing that ever happened to me, for sure. Yeah. He's wonderful. What was the, like, when you decided to get back into the beauty business, as you right. call it, you had to get, just like the yoga, you had to get a certification. Maybe back in the day, you could have just done that without a certification, but now you got to get a certification, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you start out just like one-woman show? Because... I, you have I did. Co- yeah. Tell me about what it was like starting off, because I think that's really hard for people to jump into that alone you know did you work for somebody else how did you start your well, journey well you know I had, been a, I had been a manicurist all those years from from 17 through 30 years old and mm-hmm. even worked in Austin San Francisco so I knew the beauty business I felt like yeah. I grew up in the hair salon so okay. I knew that if you were good at what you did you would build a clientele got it you could just and walk I kind of yep. knew how it worked you needed to work somewhere where there was traffic until you build up a clientele then you could go out on your own okay. so mm-hmm. I thought okay I'm going to get my license back I had I had gotten my license in Austin in like 1980 one semester mm-hmm. when I forgot to register for college. So I thought, right. well, I don't want to waste this time, so I'll just go to beauty college. That was like way before anybody was a, was an esthetician. So I went, I got that license, and I let it expire, and I had to get it back. And that's a whole other story, but that was complicated <laughs> to get my license back. But anyway, I did. I got it back, and. Um, so I knew the beauty business. I knew that you had to start out somewhere. So I went all over town trying to get somebody to hire me when I got my license here in San Angelo. And nobody was interested. And I was like, what is wrong with these people? I know I'm going to be good, you know. And one of the best places in town, the one that has the reputation, said, we want you. And then they backed out on me. So anyway, I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to have to take what I can get. So yep. I went over to this little hole-in-the-wall salon. And uh, I had a room that was like 8 by 10 feet big. I mean, it was so tiny that I had like four inches to walk around the table mm-hmm. but anyway uh, I built my I built my business I stayed there for two years then I left there then I went somewhere else and I stayed there for about a year and a half and then she sold the building and then all of a sudden I have to find somewhere else to work in six weeks like, yep. you know so that was crazy yep. so I ended up having to go into another hair salon and I stayed there for a few years but I always knew I was going to open my own business because when I went out to California my goal was I want to be own a spa I used 
used to read about the Golden Door and all these. I was like really into health and beauty and fitness and all that. And so I knew that I wanted to own a spa. And I worked in that spa in Nordstrom's. I saw what corporate spa was like, and I'm like, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And I went out to some of the big spas in uh, Sonoma and all that. And, and, and yeah, it's great if you own it, but, but, but you have to have a ton of money you know, yep. to own a spot. Yep. I'm sure yep. you would know. So now um, I thought I'm going to, when I, when I got back into this business, I thought I'm going to own my own business. I knew that immediately when I started, I'm going to own my own, but it took me um, several years. And what happened is I was working in um, this little hair salon down the street here that had like 12 hairdressers in it. I was making the best of it, but I knew it wasn't my, you know, end all be all end all whatever you'd call that you know it wasn't really where I wanted to be but I I always felt like I'm serving my time until I can get to where I want to be and then this office came up for sale over here and it hadn't been touched since the 1950s and we and my husband's always perusing what's for sale in town and he said hey Dr. McGill's office is for sale would you think you might want to you might want to put your acne clinic in there and I went no, that place is a dump. And he said, yeah, but let's look, let's, let's see how much they want for it. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't want that much money for it. So before you knew it, a couple of days, we, we bought it. Yeah. And then we just totally redid it from, you know, from floor to ceiling. Cause he hadn't touched anything in here since 1950. It was, you know, it was a it's mess. Such a beautiful, you don't realize what's inside from the outside. I know. The whole, right. Like driving by, I was like, mm, okay, that's weird. It's a round building. But when you go into the walls of this building, there's a beautiful, like, atrium garden in there, if exactly. you want to call it. Exactly. It's a wonderful place to work. It is. <laughs> and, and that's what I loved about it because I always wanted a kitchen where you could look outside on greenery uh-huh. and birds and squirrels. Mm-hmm. And that's what's here red birds and squirrels yeah. and all greenery. And it's just beautiful. And it's so tranquil. So we remodeled it, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, it took six months. And I have all my paintings hanging in here, and mm-hmm. it's, it, it's, I hope it has a revival as a beauty center because somebody's yep. putting in a big med spa next to me. And, cool. um, and I love it, and I'm so happy. And then this business, I think this is, you know, this is where my true talents are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I can put people to sleep in there on that table. I can also mm-hmm. help people clear up acne. I know a lot because I'm a, I'm a researcher. And okay. Mm-hmm. I, um, I work really, really hard and mm-hmm. at researching and finding, you know, finding the out science. everything I can mm-hmm. find. And I and I try, I, you know, I give 110 percent on everything I do, you know, or more. So I so I survived, and I think that's why. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. why I why my business has survived on its own. And you know, these two hands made every penny that's come through that door. Yeah. So, yes. <laughs> that's a lot, you know. Yes. For, and you're just now going to bring in some, you haven't had another practitioner work underneath you yet? No. She's going to be the first one. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So I'm excited about it. And, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, they're going to start remodeling next door. I don't know what that's going to bring. I don't know mm-hmm. if we're going to be able to keep, you know, keep it quiet in here because that's one of the things that, you know, some of my clients come in to, to, to de-stress. Yep. Mm-hmm. And some of them I'd come in most. to... Yeah. Yeah, to have acne taken care of. But I'm just going to have to roll with the punches because there's nothing I can do about it. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of out of my control. When I found out they were going to start remodel over there, I kind of pretty much freaked out because I thought we just got over COVID and we just got over the ice age, you know, that we had yeah. here. <laughs> and I thought, okay, now I'm ready to gear back up and get all my clients back in here. And then I heard they were going to do that. And I was like, oh, shit, man. I can't believe it. <laughs> 
That's okay. It doesn't affect your, you know, your path. So what is like, because I think that you understand like the difference between just offering a service, but offering an entire experience. Right. Like, is that from your, ex- your experience yes. in the industry that you yes. identified that difference? Because I know I've been in your, in your place and I know it's an entire experience. The yes. music, the lighting, the feel, the, the temperature, like all of it, right? Oh, it's yeah, very, very, very coordinated by me. And mm-hmm. the reason is, is because when I worked in all those spots, like mm-hmm. in San Francisco, Austin, Laguna Beach, I worked in a place in Orange County, I always, I always loved getting facials because the estheticians would make me feel so good mm-hmm. and the massage therapist and I and Don and I traveled a lot so I went to spas uh, you know in California New York Las Vegas and then I went to spas in Asia in Thailand in Cambodia and Bali we went on our honeymoon to Bali and I stayed at the four seasons two different four seasons so I know high-end service mm-hmm. from having it done to me and mm-hmm. I know the quality that I wanted to provide for people and I know the right music I know all about the essential mm-hmm. oils I know how to massage they all think I'm a massage therapist but I'm not licensed as a massage therapist but I can but I've just had so much done I've learned a lot by just osmosis mm-hmm. you know just being worked on myself so yeah it's uh, and it's called holistic you know that's holistic yep. is when you're taking yep. care of your body and your mind and your food and I'm just you know, kind of into all of that, and that's mm-hmm. why we don't we don't do Botox and we don't do fillers. And I'm not a med spa, and mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Right, just kind of um, enhancing the natural. Yeah, yeah. N- not that you know that I might not go have something pulled <laughs> up someday. <laughs> But there are a lot of natural ingredients in products these days that can Mm -hmm. do wonders for your skin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. I have a line called Osmosis, and he has a podcast, Dr. Ben Johnson, very interesting to listen to. He talks about all kinds of things. He hasn't done his podcast since August, though. I wonder what's going on with him. He's all over Instagram all the time. But anyway, so I'm real interested in everything. Um, I'm really into art. Yeah, I want, that's one of the notes I had is because I keep seeing, you know, the painting behind you. It's not yours, I know, but you are a painter. When did, was that something you got into, like, as a young person? Oh, yeah. Later in life? We haven't talked about it at all. Started about, in, uh, in about, I remember first drawing at eight years old, and then, Mm -hmm. and then in seventh grade uh, at Lee Junior High, you know, taking my first art classes and thinking, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, I finally found something I like. Then um, majoring in art in college. Mm-hmm. But I switched my degree to art history because I didn't think I had enough talent to be a studio artist. That was really a hard thing to imagine myself doing, being mm-hmm. a studio artist. Mm-hmm. But I went on that trip to Europe and I fell in love with art history. Yeah. But all this time I continued to paint my entire life. And so I've been painting since I was a senior in high school. That mm-hmm. was I graduated from high school in 77. So that's Did you ever long. have any like formal training other than... A couple art classes. <laughs> well, I had some formal I training guess in college. At, at UT Austin, uh-huh. but you know what? They didn't really teach us that much. Mm-hmm. They walked. The professor would walk around the room and 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 just kind of BS with the students about 
politics and stuff and he didn't really teach us really how to paint when right. i really started getting instruction is when i went over to went off to albuquerque okay. and i would take art from from professional artists i yep. took classes there from the mm-hmm. art student league in albuquerque and they would really teach you how to paint and it's a complicated science yeah you start that's top, what uh-huh. yeah I don't know anything about it, but I have a friend who's a painter. That's why I'm like, how did you get this skill? Like, is it a natural ability? Like, where did you osmosis that from? There it is. Also, I studied so many artists, and and I would buy books, and I'd buy DVDs, and I would learn. And um, when I went to Albuquerque, you know, and I took portrait painting classes, Mm -hmm. and they'd talk about, okay, you have to use a cool red. I'm like, okay, well, what's a cool red? Uh Well, there's, you know, there's 18 different blues, and some of them are cool, and some of them are warm, and this, you know... The reds are, there's a cool red, a lizard crimson, there's a warm red, cad red. There, and I mean, and you have to use the right hue, which is the color, and the right temperature in the right spot with the right brush stroke. It is complicated. Oh, it is. And I love it. But, but it's not easy, let me tell you. It is not no. easy. 100%. <laughs> but it is a skill that can be learned because mm-hmm. I know so many people say I can't draw a, a stick figure. Well, yeah, you can learn to draw. Mm-hmm. I mean, that book, Drawing from the Left Side of the Brain, do you remember mm-hmm. that book? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, that's a really great book for teaching um, people how to draw. And we, and we studied about left brain and right brain, uh, you know, a lot in school when I became mm-hmm. a teacher. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm... I'm really um, right-brained, you know. I have to, I have to see everything. I have to do it. I have to have the hands-on. You know, you can, you can. I can read it. I've, I've got to read it two or three times before I know it, and I have mm-hmm. to see it. You got to draw me a picture, you know, because we all learn differently. Same. Um, I'm trying to think of when I was trying to teach myself how to knit long, long oh, time yeah. ago. Oh, I could read it 17 times. Oh, read yeah. it. It made no sense, no sense, no sense. But if you sat down next to me on the couch and just said, do yeah. this, I'd be like, oh, well, yeah. that was so easy. Me too, because I learned how to knit. And I had to, mm-hmm. I had to sit down and have somebody show me too. Mm-hmm. It makes I, no sense off the page. To yeah. Me. Yeah. We're no. all different kinds of learners. And so mm-hmm. it's really it's interesting, fascinating. And I loved being a teacher, and I loved the kids. I had a blast with the, with the kids. It's mm-hmm. just that the system that was so difficult with yeah. the dyslexia system, mm-hmm. that's a whole another broadcast. If you want to get into education. Yeah, that's a whole thing. Yes. <laughs> the, the education field is an entire, yeah, a whole other, whole other uh, what's the word, category. Yeah. Know? Yeah. But it's interesting is now that I've like heard more, you've lived like you're like a cat almost. You've lived a couple different lives. Yes. Like, yes. Right? Where you kind of lived to call like the twenties moving around and being here and being that, like kind of yeah. a whatever life. And then you settled down. I was down very into, spontaneous and I didn't there know we go. what I wanted to do mm-hmm. with my life. I was just like I just want to have a good time, time. you know. Yeah. But yeah. I always worked through college. I put myself through college. My parents mm-hmm. didn't have uh, enough money to give to help mm-hmm. me through college. They didn't do, you know, they didn't come up and move my stuff into my college no. dorm. <laughs> yeah. no. You know. They uh, said, "Hey, good luck, you know, bye." bye. Yeah. <laughs> I got a Pell Grant, and I worked all the way through college as a manicurist, and I put Mm -hmm. myself through school, and I didn't need any help, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, It took me a long time to graduate. I didn't graduate. It took me seven years to graduate from college. Isn't Mm -hmm. that crazy? Funny? That's what it takes sometimes to get yourself through, you know? Yeah. 
Because I took my time because I could only take about nine hours at a time. Otherwise, it made me crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I would go to school from like eight to to one and I'd work from like one to seven. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, anyway, I just I didn't know what I was going to be good at. You know, I looked at the business school and I went, no, Mm -hmm. you know, and And the only thing I liked was art. It's interesting. That's where you ended up, though. Yeah. And that whole business, oh my God, yeah. I've learned so much. <laughs> right? I so mean. I love to ask people, you know, when you started out a business, uh-huh. you know, how much time did you think you would be, well, you might still be there, doing like the the actual esthetician work in the beginning versus now, which maybe you're still, yeah. but what, what I'm getting at is I know a lot of people are like, okay, I'm going to open, a, let's say like. Mm, a sewing shop, right? Right. I'm going to, you know, d- sell things and I'm going to talk to other women who are buying stuff and, blah, 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 and like you're going to be so excited about the sewing. But uh-huh. then as your business grows, you do that less and less. Oh, yeah. What you end up doing is payroll. <laughs> you right. end up right. bill pay. You end up going and getting all the supplies you need. You need, you oh, end up yeah. placing all the orders. Do you know what I Like, oh, yeah. There's, everybody's in business, which is different than your uh product or service which yes. I think a lot of people focus yes. on the product. what's your experience been like with that well I thought I'm so naive I thought it was just mm-hmm. gonna be you know like I can change my name whenever I want to mm-hmm. I started out yeah. being Lux a little luxury spa then I thought no I want to change it to something else and somebody suggested faces by Jody and I said okay well luckily I was married to an attorney and he's like eh, eh, not that easy. You've got to register with the Secretary of State. You've got to become an LLC. That's going to cost you $300. You want to change yep. your name? You're going to be a DBA. You're going to be doing business as. Yep. Yep. I was like, what is all this shit? I hate all uh-huh. this shit. Yep. That's the experience I was looking for is there's so many things you don't oh, realize. Yes. You're, oh, you had a, a, a built-in support system that well, was yes, a, an attorney. Yes, thank God I was yep. married to an attorney because mm-hmm. he helped me so much. He, he had taken that music store and got it back on its feet. He had mm-hmm. he worked at that mm-hmm. bar. He, yep. knew, he knew business, and he's just really, really, really smart, too. So he's, you know, kind of like your husband. I mean, it sounds like he's, he's real business smart. Mm-hmm. So anyway... Um, so what happened is I had to put in my systems myself. I didn't know how to do inventory. I had to design yeah. my inventory sheets myself. Because mm-hmm. I looked on the internet, how do you do inventory? No, how do there's you do nothing. inventory? There's nothing no. there. No. So I did it all myself. And then ordering supplies and, you know, doing all that. And then all the technical tech stuff, you know, mm-hmm. I had to learn all that. I don't learned a little bit about computers and stuff from being a teacher. But, you know, I'm older than you are, and I'm mm-hmm. not as tech savvy as you know I as a lot of people but anyway I had to learn how to do the inventory and I did my own books every uh-huh. weekend by hand in ledger sheets and then yep. and then spent the weekend sitting up in bed putting them into spreadsheets and after a few years of that I thought this is BS right this is baloney. yeah what the hell am I doing so finally <laughs> I got that square yeah. You know, and I got my little my little POS system and everything and everybody comes in here and goes, Oh, you're so fancy and I'm like, Oh my god, no I'm not. I should have done this from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> no, in fact it looks fancy, but it's easy. Let me show you what's fancy. Oh, it's cool yeah. going between spreadsheets. Oh yeah, that yeah. just sucks. I mean and I tried to and I'm not a math person, so I did mm-hmm. not I was 
kind of like wanted to learn how to do it because I believe that you should learn how to do everything in your business Mm -hmm. from the ground up so you will know what's what, you know. I do really believe that. And so I did that for a few years. Now I have somebody that helps me. Yes, we've always done our our books as well because it's it's also we have different locations. Oh, yeah. Different bank accounts, like, and and running the payroll and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, um, I think instead of, like, Sure, you need to know a little bit of math, but more so the skill set that you're going to need for running your business is organization. Oh, yes, yes. (laughs) Like QuickBooks, you need organization. You need attention to detail, you Mm -hmm. know, and and any sort of accounting like that. You know, the the program will do the math for you. Mm -hmm. Now, you got to know how to be the master of it. If yeah. you will, right? Do and you, how to organize it. Do you do your QuickBooks and all that now, or do you have somebody do it for you? My husband does. Oh, uh, he does all that? Uh-huh. Oh, my uh-huh. gosh. Well, what happened with me is when I moved into this place and I opened my own place, mm-hmm. um, and I got the square and all that, got started with that. So good. And, and yep. then when I... Um, I had to have an employee after a short mm-hmm. period of time because somebody has to be at the front door. Yes. Uh-huh. And... Um, I have a really sweet client that her whole family comes to me, and they own a financial services uh, businesses mm-hmm. in this town. Mm-hmm. One of the nicest families you'll ever meet in this town, and you will meet them at some point, I'm sure. And um, the sweet girl that her daughter that I gave facials to, she mm-hmm. started doing my QuickBooks and stuff for me, and uh. she wouldn't even let me pay her. And so I said, well, then you have to come in and get facials. And then you, and I give her products and stuff like that. And then every time I offer to pay her, she goes, no, it's okay. I'm like, okay, I just just sent her a card full of cash last week. I hope she got it. <laughs> yeah, because she does all this stuff for me just out of the goodness of her heart. And that's yeah, how that's Texas people are. Yeah. That's how that's how these people are. That's that's the thing about Texas people. You led me right to the question I didn't want to forget to ask: is what does Texas mean to you? Oh my God! Mm-hmm. I have I, I I don't know. I, when I lived here, I took Texas for granted, and all I wanted yeah. to do was get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I was seventeen. I went to Austin, and I'm like, oh my mm-hmm. God, Austin is a paradise. I went to Barton Springs, and people were mm-hmm. walking around without their tops on. And this mm-hmm. is 1976, and smoking joints mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. swimming in Barton Springs and I was like oh my god what a world is this and I came back home and I thought god Austin is really something man it was cool back then it was a little paradise Mm -hmm. you could get anywhere in town in 15 minutes yeah, anywhere across town, let's but say. I'm, I'm talking 1976. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. Yep. So anyway, you know how different it is now, but uh, so I moved there and you know moved to California and everything. And, and when I came back, I uh, I really 1990 or so when I moved back here, I really thought this is I appreciate Texas mm-hmm. now. I'm, I, I appreciate. San Angelo and mm-hmm. and the nice people here, the good people here, mm-hmm. and. I love that you can, you know, I don't want that rush, hurry stuff anymore. Yep. And yep. I remember when I was in San Francisco, I didn't have time to paint. And I read something that said you have to be away from the center of activity or something to that effect to really be able to do what makes your heart sing, you know. And I thought, I'm running around, you know, like a crazy person here just trying to survive. I can't do any art. I can't think. I can't catch my breath, you know. Yep. So I'm at a different point in my life now, and I wouldn't want to live back in one of those big urban places, even though I love New York, you know, I, I, but I would never want to live in one of those places now. I think that that, what you just said, that sentence is so common. <laughs> after yeah. a certain, let's say after, what, 
35 for sure. I mean, oh, yeah. That I, too, I appreciate, let's say, like the food, the theater, the music, the activity, oh, just yeah. all the stuff you can oh, find yeah. in a greater metropolitan area. And then comes the next part of that is now get me the fuck out of here. Right. <laughs> right. right. I go back to Austin and yes. I find myself sitting in traffic, just gripping the steering wheel, going, yes. I want to get out of here. I want to get out of here. Yeah. And I wanted to go, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to get out of there. Yep. After a certain yep. age, you don't want to deal with that stuff anymore. Yep. Yep. I think uh, it's an important part of life. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I did not live in a small town my whole life and wondered what, you know, just had that longing of like, what a city life would have been like. I've done it. I've, I feel like I've been Goldilocks. I've lived in, you know, Austin. I lived in Marfa. Now I live like yeah. in the middle now, you know, yeah. like a, an actual city with a CVS 24 hours if I need it, you know, yeah. for like a child in the middle of the night has a fever and we need Tylenol. There's a place I can go. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you can be... There's, I can get to work in four minutes from where I live now. Yeah, we live. Yeah, we live. I used to. Uh, that was what we were in Marfa, about thirty seconds away. But we we live a little outside the town here, um, and it's was it, let's say, a combination of the people, the food, the weather, like just all of it, the mindset. Like, what is the thing that like when you came back, uh-huh. and you were you were here and it was nineteen ninety, and you were like, ah, you know, yeah. you kind of had an exhale of like, I'm home. Was it a combination of all that, or does something stand out more of what made you feel? I realize there's a lot of stereotypical things about Texas, you know, Mm -hmm. and and when I I lived here, um, I I never went to a UT football game. I didn't like football. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't either. (laughs) When my dad put on a football game, I wanted to leave the house because it was like screaming and noise, and, you know, I just wasn't, you know, and... I know a lot of people are huge football fans and all that, but and also I I never liked cowboy boots. I wasn't your stereotypical Texan. I didn't like barbecue or watermelon. Ah, yes. <laughs> I didn't. I was really like I liked ballet. I liked art. I liked theater. I wanted to learn how to cook Asian food. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I was just I just wasn't this type. And I never even ate barbecue and, until you talk about eating. You know, I walked in there and saw that stack of bread, and I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you we're going to get to that. <laughs> I didn't need that white bread. I was yeah. kind of a health nut. I was always, like, reading books on vitamins and everything. And I loved the diversity of San Francisco, and I loved New York. And I mean, it didn't live in New York, but I went there a lot. And um, so when I came back, I had a, like, I started to appreciate Texas when I came back when I was 32. And I started to, like read different things, look at different viewpoints in lots of different ways. And, um, and then I met Don, you know, and, um, uh, he, he is like very uh, much a news person. So I started learning what was going on in the world because I didn't know anything about what was going on in the world, you know, politically. So it's kind of been a whole, a whole new appreciation in a lot of ways. How did you meet him? Did you say? No, I know you, you said you met him when you got here, but how did you meet him? Well, um, I had uh, I was teaching special ed at this little school, and we had a diagnostician that yep. uh, would come and do our, our tests and stuff, and I was the teacher. She was the, the, the diagnostician, yep. and she invited us over to dinner one night, and, uh, and I met him that way. 
He said he, he thought was, I looked like Winona Ryder from Beetlejuice. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. And he said that I didn't pay any attention to him. All I wanted to do was talk to her about special education. And she didn't want to talk about special education. But I was just learning it. And I was about to be tested on something, like something for, for a, a license or something. Something, and so, right. So I was just all like talking about business. Talking shop. Yeah. And she's she's like, I'm trying to play matchmaker yeah. here. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> That's what happened. And so I didn't I, so I didn't really I didn't really appreciate him that much. And then I went on around dating some other guys that were like not very nice and were not very good to me and were pretty much, you know, like user loser type guys, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And then we all went camping one time at Kerrville. And I sat down and I started talking to Don around the fire. And we talked for hours and I thought, man, this guy's cool. You know, this mm-hmm. guy's really, really neat. And I went back and came back to San Angelo and I was still dating the guy I went to Kerrville with. We went to Kerrville Folk Festival. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, and, and I invited him over to dinner and I went and left a note on his door with a little drawing inviting him over to dinner. And the jerk didn't even reply to me. <laughs> I thought, well, Fine, F you, you asshole. Uh, I'm yeah. just going to ask Don to come over for dinner. So he done said, sure, I'd love to. And he came over and I made tortilla soup and we were out at the chicken farm art center and, uh, and I made him dinner and you know, it just, I just, from there, I just realized this is a good guy. It's time for you to start looking for a good guy. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. I was 32 years old and all I had, I dated a lot younger guys than me. You know, none of them, none of them ever really, I felt like didn't really appreciate me but mm-hmm. here was a good one I waited a long time we didn't even get married till uh, I think I was 40 oh wow yeah so we didn't have any kids so anyway we started we kind of became friends and we're kind of friends for a long time and then I wasn't sure I wanted to you know be committed to him so that's when I moved off to Austin to Pflugerville right. and mm-hmm. Pflugerville teaching in Pflugerville that was a whole heart-wrenching experience let me oh. tell you, God, I would cry every morning before I went to school, cry and pray that I could get through the day of teaching oh. there. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't the kids. It wasn't the kids. It yeah. was the administration. They were. I've they heard were, that from they, so many uh, teachers. It's never the kids. No, the kids <laughs> were the kids. awesome. I love the kids. Mm-hmm. And um, I have, so, I, I have um, like photo albums here full of the kids. I wrote poems about them. Aww. There's one named Joe from Modesto. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's we could do another long. I could do a long story about the kids. But anyway, so um, Don was kind of my support system through that. You know, like I um, would call him and we'd talk every night. And I was going through a very difficult time in Pflugerville when I was teaching there, because like one day my principal scared the scared me to death because he started yelling at me and told me to come to his office and he threatened to fire me and I was shaking and I thought what did I do what did I do what did I do he was really angry and I got into his office and you know he said I'm gonna fire you if you ever do this again and I thought oh my god what did I do and he you know what I did I gave all the kids the same spelling list I didn't differentiate the spelling list for them (laughs) 
And I was, you know, I was crying that night, and I called Don, and he said, that is not a good supervisor. He should not have done that to you. He's, and, and it was near early in the school year, and yeah, I should have diversified the spelling list and made eight different spelling lists and given them all different spelling words, but it was my, it was like the first six weeks or the first right. three weeks of school, and um, instead of some teacher coming to me and saying, hey, you know, you gave Billy and Johnny the same spelling words, that's not good, you know, you really, they're at different levels, well, they would go behind your back and tell the principal and then the principal threatened to kill me you know it's crazy things we all got the same list when i was a kid i didn't know you had a different oh god if you're teaching special (laughs) ed yeah i'd have to make different lists for every every kid yes i guess yeah i'm thinking of a traditional class i guess there were different but i was still a new teacher i'd only Mm -hmm. had two years of experience Mm -hmm. but but you know to jump down my throat like that and scare me to death right right and did that help you grow? Did it help you, you know, want to be a better teacher? Or did it just make you really want to just leave and go back home? <laughs> right. Well, I wanted to get out of Pflugerville. Because another yeah. thing is they were always asking us for money. And they were always oh, wow. asking us to bring potlucks and things like that. And I mean, every f- single day they're at my door saying, you need to bring a potluck. You need to come for this birthday party. You have to bring a gift. You have to give $25 to the Sunshine Girls to buy flowers for people who their relatives die. I mean, they were always wanting you to do something. And it was hard just to survive being a teacher. Yeah. And then at the end of the year, they took the leftover money from the Sunshine Girls and bought the principal and and the vice principal leather briefcases. <laughs> now, what kind of hypocrisy is that? Mm-hmm. That was the kind of stuff that I said, I want out of here. This yeah. is horrible. And I came back and I realized, you know, that's when I realized that San Angelo was a nice place because that mm-hmm. experience out there was horrible in Pflugerville. And I just happened to be at a bad school. Yeah. Yeah. It's a crapshoot, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's a crapshoot. Again, we were talking about your nine lives. There was that, the, the special education and the, right. you know, now the entrepreneur. Right. And I love that you're about to, you know, then grow that with another um, technician. Right. And you have the space there, correct? You don't need to, you have, I don't, I, I feel do. like there's a hallway. That's all I remember. There, so you I have, have a, another room and I've a service been room. Set, Perfect. Yeah, and it's a big room and I've been setting mm-hmm. it up for her and um, I just bought a, a massage table and Perfect. then I was looking to buy a steamer and towel cabinet and all that stuff. You know, and it's hard to find now. Uh-huh. If you want to buy one that's made in Canada or in the United States, there's only a couple of brands that are made, uh, one's in Canada and one's in Northern Amer- uh, North America somewhere. The rest of them, you're, they're all made in China and they cost mm-hmm. $200 and they won't last a year. They won't last, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. So... And- Anyway, is there, um, are you having any trouble sourcing any materials or, you know, we are obviously with, um, dry goods are hard for us right now. Cups oh, and to go yeah. containers. Are, are you able to, are you having any no, logistical? No, bad. Some, some of my skincare stuff they have, um, is delayed. On delayed. Some of the, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm getting the ingredients to get in, mm-hmm. but yeah, mm-hmm. I would, I'm noticing that you know, um, with the equipment, like the hot towel cabinet and steamer, yep. uh-huh. I'm not sure where I'm going to end up buying those. Cause I, they, uh-huh. I can't get the ones that are from Canada that I wanted to yeah. get that are really good. They're just sold out. Right? Yeah. They said they can't get the plastic. Yep. But yeah. he said, we can build you one. But I thought, well, how long is that going to take? Mm-hmm. You know, when are you going to be able to do it? So I'm kind of looking for used things now. Mm-hmm. Cause I found a massage table. 
oh, and I was about to buy one that was close to four grand. And so anyway, yeah, I'm sourcing the materials or search, searching for them. And uh, I love this business. I'm excited about it. I love running a business. I wish I would have done this back when yeah. I first came to Texas. Instead of being a teacher, I wish I would have gone straight to the beauty business. But, you know, hindsight and whatever, you know. You, yeah. I think everything you do in your life teaches you something. You Agreed. Know? Yeah. What did that time of your life then teach you? The teaching. What did the teaching part of the, your life teach you? <laughs> well, that I just love children so much. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't have kids myself, so uh, I love working with kids. I love making things. I'm always, like, wanting to, you know, make things with them. Like, when I was teaching uh, special ed, the principal said, well, give them free time. That's what they want the most for a reward because they said you can't give them candy anymore. So I'd bring in clay from the um, from from the, the the real artists from Roger Allen I'd go buy a bag of clay and and we would make ceramics and then take them and have the high school girl um, fire them and fire paint them. them and so and I just I just loved working with the kids and you know it's just I guess I just just love them you know yeah, loving on them so that yeah. was a, that was a lot of fun and uh I, it taught me that I, I don't like bureaucracies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they won't let you do things. They, they won't let you do things right. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it right. You know, I was going to teach my dyslexia program the way it was supposed to be taught. Right. Yeah. I was taught by a woman who started, who like wrote a curriculum for um, alphabetic phonics and she was an 80 year old woman that was out of Dallas and it was supposed to be taught a certain way and in order to teach dyslexic children to read it has to be cumulative it has to be uh, sequential and it has to be taught step by step by step by step and I was going to teach it the right way because that was drilled into me the way I was supposed to teach it then when I got into the school district you know, you start kids in a program like that, and you, you start with the letter I, and you teach them that this letter I makes two different sounds. It makes a sound I, like an igloo. It makes a sound I, like an Indian. And then you teach them the letter T, and it's very, very um, step by step by step. And so when somebody's been in for a year, they mm-hmm. have advanced through several books of instruction, and you teach them every single spelling rule that the English language has. And you teach them about unaccented E's, like in banana. I mean, not uh, like unaccented A's, like in mm-hmm. banana. A makes about five different sounds. Yep. And you teach them every single sound, letter, and letter by letter. And so when you've had a kid in the program for a year, you can't put a new one in there with them because they're mm-hmm. not going to know what you're talking about. Right, because it has to be sequential. Why? Right. And so um, the, the school district was getting to where it just wanted to put them in at any level, and it, want, and, and it would just want me to tell the parent everything's going to be hunky-dory, no problem. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to help your kid, you know, when, it, when, when they were making it impossible for me to be able to teach. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it, I, I couldn't do that. I, can't, I couldn't do that. I'm mean, like, I would just be up at night with my head and my hands going, oh, what am I going to do? How am I going to group these kids? You know, mm-hmm. so it got to be it got to where I had to get out because like, if I can't do it right, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Right, and then you're ineffectual in your position. Right, right? Yeah. and then you're just yeah. you're then you're just in there like trying to keep the crowd in control. Right, 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 and then and I saw a lot of that not, serv- not servicing anybody yeah, yourself or the children. Yeah. 
But so now, like where you are now, but like not only are you an entrepreneur, you're also like we talked about earlier, you're providing a service. You know, right. and it's, it's it's more than the facial. It's more than you know the the service somebody signed up for. Like, what is it about the work that you do that keeps you coming back every day? Is it that, or is it like, because I understand it, the electric ex- excitement of being an entrepreneur? Like, what yeah. is it? Well, I love meeting people, and I love yeah. talking to people, and I love meeting new people. And you know what? Now, this time of my life, I am really mm-hmm. super excited about being a mentor to these younger girls. Yeah, yeah. And yep. teaching them, and like, be, you know, because I had somebody do that for me when I was seventeen. Yeah. And I, I think that's really cool and really exciting, and I enjoy that, and I hope that I can help, you know, impart some knowledge and valuable information for them. And plus, I learned from them too. And I've got, you know, I've had some really sweet girls in here that uh, have been my, um, assi- you know, assistants mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, receptionists, and um, so that's kind of fun and exciting. And uh, you never know who's going to walk through that door. Yeah, yeah. That's what I kind of find fun. I love when I have new people. I just enjoy them. And I like being able to provide what they need. I kind of size Mm -hmm. them up when they come in and think, what is this person really wanting Mm -hmm. and what do they need? Do they need to relax? Do they need to rest? Do do, do they need help with their skin? Do you know... um, do they have acne or they do they need anti-aging help or are they stressed out or do they you know i just kind of try to sum them up and try to figure out what what will help them and it, you know some of them will actually just i use hot rocks and massage their hands and arms and necks and and i know if they need to rest and go to sleep you know i won't talk to them if they want to talk i'll talk you know if they don't mm-hmm. want to talk i won't talk but i think that with the service industry, you know, it's all about just like trying to provide a good experience for that person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yep. I like that. Um, and I always like learning new things and uh, taking classes. So I was always looking to see what class I could go take uh, in Austin, you know, and classes are finally starting to kind of open back up. That's good to further your education and learning and offerings and stuff, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff now that I'm really not interested in that all the young girls are interested in, like these big eyebrows, you know, and these big fake eyelashes and all that. Um, Yeah. I'm just, you know, I don't care if they want to do that stuff. If I have somebody in here that wants to do eyelashes, that's cool. She can do eyelashes. Eyelashes, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. But I love running a business. I love the freedom and the spontaneity of being able Uh to come and go. And you have a lot of employees. I usually just have Mm -hmm. one or two. But, um, boy, you have a lot of them. What's it like managing all those people? (laughs) We have about 20 here and about 10 remote at our other places. And we have management structures. You know, there's somebody running that location, somebody running the other ones. It's a lot. You know, it's a lot. It's 30 people's schedules, you know. Uh, It's... um, technology mm. I don't know how people did it without technology you know, know. like everyone everyone has access to a digital device so they keep track of you know their uh, schedule and they we have communication on there so you can send out messages you know um, I don't know I, don't, I couldn't do it without technology I can't imagine what people did you know yeah, well, I, and then having four children, man, I really, yeah. really admire you um, doing all that you do because 
that in the podcast and all you've done such a good job at Thanks. everything that you've done you're like prickly <laughs> painting i love it with the cactus yeah. and yeah you know i um i said this to somebody recently um you know if you want something done give it to a busy person right oh yeah <laughs> like, i think you you know most entrepreneurs fall in that category yeah right you know of everything like how you said every dollar that's come through has been you know by these hands it's like Mm -hmm. yeah everything that's happened every growth every you know year that we've been you know open whereas we're not staying there making the coffee it is because of the work we've put in as well you know like our job is now to make it so that the people making the coffee have everything they need to be successful yeah um so anyway it's really exciting and wonderful, and I really do love uh, having having a small business. I think it's just mm-hmm. it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I can see how it's not for everyone. I could see how a lot of people would um, or have tried it and then said, "Not for me," you know, because it's it's unstructured. You got to have a lot of faith. You got to have a lot of you know. It's never really going to make sense on paper, right? <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't. Oh, I know, I know. When I started my business, um, this this girl, this woman who was working for a a company Mm -hmm. that I was buying the buying products from, my Uh first order, uh she said, "Oh, do you have your business plan?" I said, "I don't have a business plan." And she said, "What?" And I said, "I have a business plan. I'm just gonna do it." You know? Yep. We don't plan. We do. (laughs) (laughs) Planners are different than entrepreneurs. Well, that's perfect. Well, I'm. I think we should work on some uh, funny questions. What do you think? Yeah, and I wanted to tell you um, about. Tell me. Uh, I was, you know, I was. Li- I, I listened to your podcast at night, and I listened to a lot of different podcasts, and I always mm-hmm. listen to them to go to sleep. And mm-hmm. I have this book called The Secret Language of Birthdays. <gasps> the Secret Language of Birthdays. Yeah, and it is so. I'm cool. writing this down. It's right here. And okay. um, I was thinking the other day, I wonder when Jesse's birthday is. Oh. Well, your birthday happened to be the next day <gasps> when I was thinking that. Whoa. And so I looked up the date <laughs> of your birthday. Okay. Tell me it again right now. October 2nd. October okay, 2nd. you're not going to, you're, you're going to die oh, when I tell no. you what yours I'm is. I'm so excited. I'm so okay, excited. Okay, get ready. Okay. The day of verbal acuity. <gasps> Yes. Oh my gosh, I love Those it. Those born on October 2 don't mince words. Okay. They are usually very candid about their opinions and rarely leave much to doubt when it comes to expressing where they stand on a given subject. <laughs> Mahatma Gandhi was born on that yep. day. Yeah, uh-huh. And Groucho Marx. Yep. Anyway, this is the most fun book. Oh, that's fun. And mine is, um, mine's funny too because it's What's so me. November 6th and it's November the day of uh, rousing vigor. Rousing vigor? Yes. They said even the most lethargic of souls can be stimulated by the rousing energy of a November 6th person. And that's me. That is you. Yes. That's that is how totally. I get those kids like we were dancing mm-hmm. and painting and, and yeah. 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 You were the rousing vigor for yeah. sure. Yeah, for sure. I could run for circles sure. around any 20 year old deep you know, up until yep. a few years ago. I bet you still could. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, anyway all that's right. a fun book. Good. I love that. The Secret Language of Birthdays. Got it. I wrote it down. All right. Are you ready for the ending questions? I think I'm ready. Yeah. All right. Cilantro? Yes or love no? Love it. I love cilantro. 
I've tried to grow it several times. It's always died here. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I used to grow yeah. herbs, but I had to kind of give it up because I thought, what are you going to do? Are you going to spend your time out there digging weeds or do you want to go inside paint paintings? Right. Yeah. 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 There are two different competing hobbies. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I love cilantro. My husband doesn't like it, so I know... So, he probably has that thing, right? Yeah, and there's a different taste buds for people that don't yep. like um, cauliflower and broccoli, too. Yes, that's yeah. another one. And he doesn't like those, either. I think they kind of go together or something. There's something uh, about our taste buds that are different. Yeah, which is fascinating to me, because it doesn't show up on everything. It only shows up on, like, certain things. I've, I've got to do more research into this. That is so interesting. It's so interesting. I love it. Because I'm like, what else doesn't taste like, you know, broccoli doesn't taste like broccoli to you? Like, or, you know, it's so fascinating. And how do you say that? Cucurious vegetables or something that they're called? Do you know how to say that? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It might be, (laughs) yeah, cucurious. (laughs) I love all vegetables. Me too. Okay, when was the last time you went tubing? Never. Never? Yeah, you really you really were a Texas. No, I'm telling you, I didn't. And I lived up in Austin. I didn't go to New Braunfels to go tubing. Mm. I still need to. Yeah, no, I think you'd actually like, it's really lovely. Yeah, no, Especially now that you're past the, like, 20, don't hang out with the 20-year-olds doing jello shots and getting drunk. No. But, like, it's, like, in, in, in the, like greater sense of like sitting in a tube and just floating down a river yeah it's like oh this but is I'm lovely a scuba diver and tell me tell you i love that oh where's the where's the craziest place you ever went scuba diving um well let's see the craziest i'd have to say cayman islands because i saw Ooh. these lobster that were like three <gasps> feet long i was like wow and no sharks i'm like i'm looking at sharks ah! Uh, but the cool. most beautiful was Cozumel has the most gorgeous fish. Oh, wow. I, d- I dove in Hawaii, the Caymans. Um, I guess that's it. And Cozumel. Well, cool. Love diving. Okay. Cool. Okay. What was your first job in high school or college? Or well, you know, I babysat, but we didn't really count. Yeah. You don't really count yeah. that as a job, but you're going to die long, John oh, Silver. Oh, I love it. Ah! Was, that, was that here? Yes. Oh, I love it. Were you waitress? Yeah, and cashier. I remember, this is terrible, but I remember the manager asking us young girls to sit on his lap. Yep. And I was Mm -hmm. like, "Eh, I'm not going to sit on your lap. You're gross. (laughs) My my first job was Subway. Oh, really? Uh, Yes, I was a sandwich artist. (laughs) Remember how they... they And I remember we had to move those big, heavy wood tables and mop every night. Mm -hmm. And I did all that, and I was like, oh, I didn't do it for very long. But yeah, that was my first job. Oh, I love it. Okay. um, Oh, H-E-B. What does H-E-B stand for? Well, I know that. I know that. You know that. I listen to your podcast. Harold E. Butts or something? Yeah, Howard E. Butts. Howard Ever Butts. I love it. Uh, okay, and, okay, now we're ready, because okay. we, we already have, like, a, we had a teaser of this, you know, the ritual of barbecue. Right. You've got, do you eat meat? Yes. You, I know you love vegetables. Okay, so you yeah. got your meat, you got your vegetables, the bread. Hell, what is I your... wouldn't get anywhere near that white yeah. bread. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I didn't even go to barbecue places, you know, <laughs> until, like, about... Until I was like forty something years old, mm-hmm. I'm like, and somebody gave me a barbecue sandwich from Cooper's. I was like, damn, this is good. Right. <laughs> I had no idea. That this was, yeah. But yeah, when I went in barbecue places, I was kind of a snob. I'd be like, well, give me some chicken and some pinto beans. But now, I guess you know. Right. 
but there's now, a craft. Now I'll eat the, my husband loves barbecue, so I kind of have come around to barbecue mm-hmm. and ribs and bacon and stuff. Yeah, there's a huge craft to it, and there's a yeah. lot of attention paid to it these and days. And that's something yeah. I didn't appreciate, but now, I, now, now I, you get I'm it. more into it, yeah. That's okay, now you got it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's all I have. Um, well, you got to ask me, what was my first car? Oh, well, what was your first car? You're going to die. Oh, I'm going to love it. Okay, I was a senior in high school. My parents, you know, my dad was really tight. My parents weren't going to buy me anything. Mm -hmm. I had to drive a yellow 1967 Ford El Camino. Oh, Oh, what you wouldn't give for that car now. I know. And my dad was a pack rat, and there was all this uh-huh. shit behind the front seats, wires yes. and bottles and all this stuff. <laughs> and I remember we used to go up and down the drag, which is Sherwood Way, where you are now. That's what yep. we did, up and down the drag. Mm-hmm. And that car was parked in the um, Walmart parking lot. It was a Skaggs Albertsons oh. back then. And both doors were open, and it was yellow. And this boy that I liked came up, and he said, it looks like it's going to take off. Like it's going to fly <laughs> off. Yeah. And he started pulling shit from behind the front seat, saying, what's this? And stuff and I was like oh my god this is so embarrassing <laughs> it was totally humiliating but um you know it was something to drive so I drove mm-hmm. it for a oh, little man. while for a and 1960s El Camino's now, El Camino. guys love them yes there's uh, there's a couple that drive down the drag these days yeah. there's a couple I've seen a couple of El Caminos that drive down the street because it people are still doing that yeah <laughs> They're still but it driving wasn't down a high school girly girls car by no, any means. No, it, it was, was not. totally embarrassing. Yeah, it was not back then. I love it. When I was in high school, the first day I got dropped off at high school, um, my mother was driving her car, which was a 1980 or 81 or 82. I think it was 1980 banana boat yellow Cadillac. Like, oh, yeah. I love that oh, color. Oh, yeah. That color. It was my grandmother's, and um, she'd had one when I was a kid. Like, it, I think she got it new back then sold it and then her sons bought her another one and I think she was like I didn't like that car I don't want that car so she gave it to my mother so I got dropped off in the first day of high school pull up to the high school (laughs) big giant yellow Cadillac you know and yeah. my friends were with us, three of us. We were like, oh, mom, go away. And she, like, honked and waved. Oh, and we were like, really? no, just how embarrassing that was in high school because the ye- the big, giant yellow car. Yeah, that's now, how this thing was. It, oh, what I wouldn't give to drive that yellow Cadillac oh, now. No. <laughs> you I know? wish I'd bring that color back because it I was know. kind of fun. Yeah, it was a great color for cars. Yeah. Well, Jody, it's been lovely, and I love um, spending our time together and getting to know you more. Um, yeah, it was fun. Thank you. Is there anything else? Um, oh, where can people find you online if, if you know they want to book a service or anything? Well, it's Jody Aesthetics, and it's with mm-hmm. an A. A-E-S-T-H-E-T-I-C-S. <laughs> you know, aesthetics is really not spelled. It can start with an E or an A. The A mm-hmm. kind of meant like you were more, a little bit more medical, but I'm not okay, medical. Yep. But it's Jody Aesthetics. And uh, I'm on Facebook. It's Jody Alicia White. And um, it's A-L-I-C-I-A. That's my middle name. And the reason my middle name is on there is my niece made my Facebook page. I didn't make it. She made it years <laughs> ago. And, um, and, and, I, and I'm on, I have an Instagram page, too, with the same names. But um, I don't really know how to do Instagram very well. I'm kind of starting to get the hang of it. But mm-hmm. I'm drawing the line at Instagram. I mean, no TikTok. Uh, no more. Uh-uh. No more. Uh-uh. <laughs> I but anyway, well, I, I try. I want to put my paintings out somewhere, so I try to stick them there. And, and my my Instagram is kind of a mess. 
I mean, I didn't really know that Instagram was really for business, but somebody said, I read or heard, Instagram's for business. And I thought, hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't know. Facebook's well, I mean, probably going to die. I don't right. Know. Instagram's a Facebook, uh, you know, product. So, of course, it's for business, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Facebook is, is a huge business. Well, I remind everyone that I am on everything at Prickly and Blooming. There's a listener mm-hmm. survey on the website at the right top hand corner. It says survey. Um, what else can I remind everybody? Um, follow the show, rate the show, review mm-hmm. the show. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do I go through? I think that's it. All okay. right. I think we'll call it we'll call it a wrap, as they well, say. Well, I hope other people enjoy listening to this. I don't know if they will or not, but <laughs> uh, you I hope do. they will. Great. Thanks, Thank Jenny. you. Bye.